Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. On episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight One Day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear One Days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice, not fear of the disease associations with myopia, is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and micromycel technology. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm Ted McElroy, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear the interview I've got tonight. Uh, it is a very exciting time for me. Uh, someone who I had not really, well, I had sort of heard of, and I'll get into that story in a little bit, but uh, Dr. Alan Chung, he is a practicing optometrist in San Diego, San Diego California, and I'm going to not talk about a whole lot because I want him to tell his whole story, and then we'll get into it. So, Alan, thanks for being here with us tonight. I'm so excited about this. Hi, Ted. Thanks for introducing me. And, uh, yeah, so uh, my name's Alan Chung. Uh, I practice in San Diego, California. Um, and, yeah, I, have, I bought a, a small private practice in 2019, um, three months before COVID. So perfect time to buy an office. And then... Um, Still here, still still chugging along and learning, um, learning as much as I can along the way. So how did you, how did you actually, I, I, I guess let's dig into your origin story. How did you okay. sort of get to where you are? How did you come about starting this practice, that, that sort of thing? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so long story short, um, went to optometry school, uh, went to SCCO, and then now they changed their name to Marshall B. Ketchum. Uh, started in 2014 graduated in 2018 so three months before i graduated um, a lot of times your staff doctors will will go hey where are you going after graduation and um 
Dr. Larsible, who was in, I think he's in Orange County still. Um, he was like, hey, where are you going? I was like, San Diego. He's like, you got to meet Aaron Warner. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Got his email, emailed him, no response. And then um, I flew out to Alcon to do one of their student um, education things. Mm-hmm. And I met Dr. Geffen there. Um, and Dr. Geffen works with one of our LASIK centers and owns his own private practice out here as well. And he was like, where are you going? I was like, San Diego. He's like, you need to meet this Aaron Warner. I was like, who's Aaron Warner? <laughs> so he finally calls me. I meet up with him. And Aaron actually helped me found my first job. Um, and six or seven months. So we graduated in June, uh, I think in like December or January time. He him and a few other mentors and doctors came up to me and they're like, Hey, do you want to buy an office? I was like, um, what? <laughs> Let me renew my license first before I jump into that. But, um, supportive people, supportive parents. And, um, they, they just said, you don't do, you might as well run into all the mistakes now. And why not do it now when you're young, you're not married, you don't have kids. Um, and so nine, 10 months after that, bought an office and yeah and that's how that's how this whole buying an office situation started um right. in undergrad i was actually a business major uh so i always always knew that i wanted to do business it was just in what and optometry just seemed like a perfect combination it was either that or staring at teeth so chose to stare yeah. at eyeballs instead <laughs> but now you started at in the business school Got a degree uh, in business. Is that correct? Undergrad. Undergrad. So undergrad, I got it. Yeah. But that's what uh, I'm saying. So you started yeah. an undergrad with in the business school in the business uh department. Yeah. How did you make the transition from business into optometry? I guess that's my question. Gotcha. Uh long story short, I, I was born and raised in Northern California, um, in a in what I would think is a pretty competitive high school. And everyone you know, you go to college, everyone's like, what are you doing? Pre-med, pre-med, pre-med. Everyone's pre-med. <laughs> and I learned really quickly. I did not like organic chemistry. <laughs> and um, so I, I took most of my prereqs my first year of um, undergrad. And then my dad's an engineer. My mom's like, um, does accounting stuff. So I kind of tried engineering. Fun, but didn't want to stare at a computer all day and look look at the world now. <laughs> and then accounting... I think I'm more of a big picture. The little fine sense kind of drive me crazy. I remember right. taking like an accounting test and I was like, for 30 minutes, I was like, I can't, this math isn't adding up. <laughs> um, so I shadowed a bunch of people. And ironically, it was between my first year and second year, I was getting dilated, uh, seeing my eye doctor at home. And she, she dilated me and my mom was like, hey, look, Dr. Wu is, she has fun in her job. Like, why don't you try that? And then, you know, shadowed, came back down to San Diego, worked for a few doctors, and then at the end just applied, and they accepted me. I was kind of surprised, but they accepted me, and off to autonomy school. But with the, I guess, I guess with the part that really is kind of confounding me a little bit because it seems like most people, and you know, I, yep. I'm all about the, the against the rule kind of thing. But yep. most people have a penchant for science or something along mm-hmm. that kind of line. You're looking more at it from a business. How do you reconcile the amount of 
biology and chemistry yep. and physics that you're about to get yourself into yep. when you've been talking business for the last four years? Yeah. I think the, the good part about undergrad is that you just need to take the classes. So once you take the classes, you're, you can do whatever, whatever other classes you'd like. Um, so ironically, UCSD actually doesn't even have an um, uh, anatomy class. So anyone going to med school, anyone going to dental, pharmacy, anything, if you need anatomy, you are actually going to their community college to take it. So I just took a bunch of units. Uh, every quarter was kind of packed. Uh, a lot of cramming, a lot of studying. Yeah. Um, but I think being from Bay as well, like I've always known I kind of liked business and kind of liked the whole tech world, startup world, um, and kind of found the best opportunity to merge both of them together. And I think optometry, you know, when people say, hey, the career is, we're in the optometry career, but we're in the business of optometry as well. <laughs> Right. And that's the fun part that I, I enjoy. Is it fun all the time? No. <laughs> but we, we appreciate, or at least I appreciate the journey of it now. And especially nowadays when uh, you see all these people around my age now starting practices, buying practices. I'm like, I was there <laughs> four or five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you spent roughly a year uh, working mm -hmm. for someone. Yep. And so how did it come about finding this practice that you were going to purchase? And, and what was that like yeah. starting an inf Well, it wasn't really infancy, but what was it like taking over a practice at the yeah. beginning of a global pandemic? It was nerve wracking. Um, so rewinding the, the initial office that I was actually looking at, I think the optometrist, um, had some medical situation and either passed away or needed to sell it relatively quickly. Um, but that office, the carpets were really old. <laughs> it was like green colored. And I was like, ah, this is almost like, this is pretty much a cold start at this point. Uh, didn't take insurances. He only took private pay cash. Um, so the opportunity for growth was there. And then, um, uh, Dr. Mick Kling, one of my mentors in San Diego. So, like I said, it's a lot of this is is not really me. <laughs> a lot of this is all these good mentors and good people around me that kind of encouraged and um, and you know presented an opportunity, and I was uh, naive enough, but also wanting to do it. <laughs> Uh, and then, so he actually plays in a band and one of his, uh, one of his drummers is, uh, owned the office and he was looking to sell. So I, you know, which was like a mile or two away from the office that I was actually looking at, uh, much newer, much more in a location that I was more interested in a little bit more Asian as well. Uh, there's an H Mart, there's an in and out growing population apartment buildings were building to the right and left and i was like hey let's let's take a look and so we looked at numbers and that whole process yeah it took about nine to ten months uh covid very fun um i think the good part with covid is we're all going through it together so no yeah. one really knew what was going on so exactly even other doctors um but you know i just leaned on 
Vision Source and Mick and Aaron and you just keep calling and asking and see what they are doing and say, okay, could I do this too? And um, once people, and I think being in a group really helps um, because even in the group, everyone's kind of in the same position and sharing ideas. And I just clearly remember I was just the one that was always reading or listening <laughs> and copycatting their, their ideas and what they're doing um, into, into my office. Well, to put it in perspective, um, back when I first was, was looking at joining Vision Source, um, my yeah. wife had a business background very similar to yours, mm -hmm. and um, I had come back from the growth meeting that they had done. They had invited a bunch of optometrists in Georgia to come to this meeting, and at that meeting, mm -hmm. Glenn Ellisor was there, and uh, Bobby Christensen, and uh, John McCall, and you know some of the mm -hmm. people who started the organization were all there, and um, so... I walk into the, it was done during SECO, and I walk into the hotel room. My wife's been up there by herself for who knows how long. Um, yep. And she goes, well, how'd it go? I said, well, I guess it was kind of good. She goes, so what'd you, what'd you learn? I told her what I learned, and they go, she said, now what's the, what's the basis of the program here? I said, well, it's kind of like a franchise, but it's not like a, it's like a franchise in name only. I mean, it's, it's, yep. it's still a franchise. She goes, mm -hmm. well, did they give you like this big, thick book with a bunch of pages of stuff in it that had a whole bunch of uh, stuff in it, like who's mm -hmm. a member and all that kind of I said, yeah. And she goes, hand it to me. She grabs mm -hmm. a hold of the book, flips to the back of the page. She goes, Walt West is a member. You should join. That was it. That was all she said. Mm. You know, and it was it was that kind of same thing. The You yep. know, the Mick Klings for you and, and Aaron Warner for you, that was the the Walt West and Bobby Christensen's for me, you know, mm -hmm. and having those kind of names that were already part of it really meant something. Yeah. Uh, it, it led a lot of weight to, mm -hmm. you know, making that decision a lot easier for me. Yeah. So you, you, what were some of the really, you said that was good that we were all going through COVID together, yeah. but what were some of the other really great things that came out? I mean, I know we shouldn't be, you know, talking wonderful about a, but we we're, yeah. there's going to be challenges no matter what happens. You know, it could 100%. be a global pandemic. It could be a you know financial crisis. It could be something. What yeah. were some of the best things that happened about the fact that you started that practice at that time? Um, silver lining, right? The silver lining was before COVID. March twelfth, I believe, was the exact day. I clearly remember it. Um, actually happened. I was probably working like a hundred twenty hours a week. <laughs> Uh, I was sleeping maybe three hours a night. Um, it was it was hectic. And then COVID happened. So silver lining, guess what? I can set up a website. I can be a normal person and have work at home from 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. at night. Right. Not having to stress about seeing patients, uh, not having to stress about answering phones and doing all of that stuff. Um, I did go into office and dispense like the remaining glasses or contacts, but um, COVID really gave me the time to just work. Um, the, the the challenging part, the most challenging part is when, especially because I bought like a warm sock, I had to change a bunch of policies, a bunch of systems, how we dispense glasses, pricing on things. Um, as well, I had to learn too. So mm -hmm. time was time was the beauty in that aspect and um, utilizing that time to actually do what the admin work that I couldn't do at work. Um, right. That was why COVID was actually, in my opinion, was helpful. 
how many people actually look at my SOPs? I don't know. <laughs> I think they all just know it at this point. They just do it. Um, but at that time, I was able to kind of set a lot of stuff up, which was great because that just helped 2024 now. Um, and we'll continue to help. Have I changed it? I, I definitely have. We're still updating and changing all the time. Um, but yeah, during COVID, that was one of the... Ironically, it was de-stressful because at that point, the banks were worried too. Right. Um, banks were worried. Vendors were worried. They're like, my landlord was like, hey, just pay me. No late fee. Just pay me before the end of the year. I was like, okay, cool. So... I didn't really have that fear of like, hey, we're going, well, maybe the first week. I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> nothing's coming in. Am I going bankrupt in four months <laughs> of opening an office? Um, so yeah, that was the silver lining, just to be able to sit and do work that needed to be done. So stripping away now the, the overhang of COVID, because we mm -hmm. all had to go through it, just like you said. Of course. What have been some of the biggest surprises about your success in this practice that you've had? Ooh, good question. Success. Um, I think... I think I focus on certain things that even surprise my staff once in a while. Um, I, I try to... I try to tell everyone or I'm, I'm a normal person. <laughs> I don't have a residency training. I don't have, I'm very capable, meaning I can do almost everything. I can see kids from two years old, which I saw like two weeks ago to 80, 90 disease, non-disease contacts. I, I'm almost a jack of all traits and I'm willing to learn if I don't know it. And one of the things that I think is, a surprise or it might be the how nice or kind I am because I think ultimately the way to do business is to be easy to do business with um, and my staff sometimes are like Doug they just bought contacts from from Costco <laughs> why are we why are we giving them trials I'm like well ask them why they need the extra trials and they're like oh the patient has a wedding this weekend give them their contacts <laughs> just do it <laughs> yeah. right and they call them back and say hey sorry I, you know dr chung actually told me that hey for this wedding we'll supply the contacts normally we don't do it you know and just trying to be kind and helpful to people that speaks volume um and the success really doesn't even come from me it, it comes from the patients and you'd be amazed how many patients are just, how many people I walk in, they're new, and I'm like, how, how'd you hear about us? Oh, Google, oh, okay, cool. Or, oh, my coworker said you were great. I was like, perfect. And you know, and that that's what really snowballs. Um, well, another thing is, how do you define success, Ted? <laughs> Well, you know, that is, that is, that's why I asked the question as I did, because I'm not the yeah. one that gets to put that, that label on it. You yeah. get to put the label on what you consider successful. Um, you know, so mm. I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head exactly here. The yeah. fact that you're taking care of your guests, the way you're taking care of them yeah. and, you know, really honoring them regardless of the fact that your staff may not think they're honoring you. 
yeah. that says a lot about your character, yeah. which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, where are some of the things, what are some of the areas that you feel like you possibly could have done a little better in the last four years? The last four years, there's a lot. Um, and every, every day I'm still learning. So um, better knowing what I know now, receipts would have been kept better. Um, finances, HR stuff would have been better. Um, a big thing that I ran into was when I took over the office, I, I pretty much, like I said, it was a warm start. And we had some challenges with like um, getting patients to come back uh, because of the turnover. And I think any, any office that you buy, unless you've worked there for a very long time and the patients already know who you are and, oh, doc, Dr. Chung's taking over the office, you, you'll get that kind of challenge and that, that hardship. Um, I think when I first took over, I took it a little bit, I was a younger too, um, but it, it almost sting a little bit that people didn't want to see me and they're like, they pick up the phone, where is this from? Oh, I'm not coming back. I'm like, okay, just wanted to introduce myself. Have a great day, <laughs> you know? Um, so maybe having a better transition in that aspect as well, um, developing systems better, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's, a, it, I would have done a lot different, uh, hiring, my hiring protocols would be different. Um, well, let's talk about that for a quick second. What kind yeah. of things have you done to improve your hiring protocols since you realized that was a little bit of a challenge? Um, good question. I've realized that, um, I've, I have no brand marketing or anything with them, but I actually um, hired a group to help me out and with the hiring process, and it's been working great. Um, so I don't know if you've heard about this group, but um, they're called, I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble by just announcing no, them. No, no, not at all, they're, not at all. They're, I mean, they're, called, they're not paying for us, it'll be okay. Yeah, they're, they're, called, um, they're called Build My Team. So I, I, I think I heard of them from a different podcast as well. Um, but the overall concept with that that company was you post an Indeed, Indeed they write a resume, and then the resume, I look at it, they pass the resume, I jump on a phone call with them or video call, and then after the video call, 30 minutes, they do a working interview. So pretty much if someone can pretty much fake, not fake, I don't want to say that as a, right. but pretty much can act a certain way for four or five hours, you're hired. So what the Build My Team really does, and that concept makes perfect sense to me, is they actually send like a questionnaire. And this questionnaire um, will, A, can the candidate fill out and complete the questionnaire? So if you can't, then maybe your computer skills aren't great. Maybe you're not best at following directions. Check, check, right? Once that questionnaire comes out, it's almost like a Myers-Bridge where it like, it's, uh, it's almost like a personality test where it's like, okay, right. like I handle this better with stress or I like to work in teams or, so it tests the accuracy of it too. So if you answer a couple questions and you're, you're more team oriented and then you're more self oriented, then, then it flags it. Uh, once you test for those, then, then we're testing for quality. So like, even if you have no optometry experience, your resume will still float to the top and then they do the interview and they present me with like three people. 
Um, I just hired my second person through them, and she's great. Uh, this is her day, her fifth day, fourth day, fourth day in the office. She's already pre-testing, <laughs> and wow. I was like, Are you, "I was like, you, you, you got this?" And she's like, "Yeah, she's she's rolling with it." Learned a bunch. Obviously, we still need to do a little bit more training, um, but running machines and stuff, she's she's killing it. So um, I've been I've been with them for five months now, and. Uh, this is my second candidate that I've hired through them, and they're they're great. So can't I don't know I can't speak more than ha enough about them. So that's my new hiring protocol. So my hiring protocol is let's go through them first, then they'll pass me candidates, and then um, I know you work with Danielle too. But when I talked to, about it with Danielle, she was like, yeah, it's almost like the cost of getting an employee in, right? Versus imagine hiring someone that you know you, you didn't fit as well. Now you got to go through the process of, of letting them go and things like that. And that can cost even more. And how much more time are you wasting on training and, and then finding out, oh, you don't know, you can't, you can't use Gmail or you can't use, you know, something like that. So then when you're mm -hmm. going through this process with these people, um, yeah. well, uh, you, when you start looking at, what, what are you looking for with these individuals? What, what really stands out is this, is this is the candidate that I really want to dig into a little deeper. So I think, A, they need to be aligned with our core values. Um, I know Lori talks about that all the time. Um, the office core values of Let's take a kind. quick break. It, for those oh. who don't know, Lori oh, is Lori Sorensen. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, Lori Sorensen. Uh, yeah, so just, just, just she goes all about especially with vision source we have classes and things like that and a big thing that she talked about is core values and i i'm a strong believer in that as you can tell and doing right by patients or guests and um so a if they align with the candidates and b um or align with our office core values and b really how well they fit with the team because obviously we still want different personalities but ultimately the team still needs to mesh with the team um, I played a lot of sports growing up, never had to pick my own teams. <laughs> I was always being picked to, to play on a team, um, but learned a lot in terms of finding people that mesh together. And um, it's, that's what the working interviews really are for. Um, uh, the, my newest hire, one of the biggest things that stood out to me was she knows nothing. And during the working interview, um, it, this was in December, so it was crazy. Uh, everyone was the patient. Patient walks in needing to get dispensed glasses. So she's seen it, uh, you know, uh, my other employees do it a couple of times. So she's like, can I go dispense it? And I was like, my optician's like, yeah, if you don't mind. And then they, she just helped the patient get dispensed. And I was like, from there, I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> and I think I've just gotten better at doing that as well, like finding there's there's a feeling that you get when you you hit the right person. Um, the right. excitement of hiring that person um, is going to be there. Um, I know people always say like hire hire slow, fire fast, something like that. Um, I I I believe it. Uh, from this process, I've now you just have to learn to be patient and not hire just because of desperation. Obviously, when 
things come come too closely, you still need to hire someone at the end of the day. But um, pre-planning is is important. So you sound like someone who also likes to get a lot of advice and things. Oh, Wait, yes. you said you like to learn a lot. Okay. Yes. So how did you? Well, first of all, who are your mentors and how did you choose them? Oh, good question. Um, I, well, Aaron's one. <laughs> Aaron was introduced to me and he's been great. Um, he is the one person that I can be confident that if I send him a text or give him a call, if he's busy, he'll text me back and say, I'll call you in 10. <laughs> um, and I think being a young doctor or a young owner, um, it was nerve wracking. Like my first time getting broken into, I was like, I have no, there goes the office. Um, and then when I call him, he's just got this calm demeanor where it's like, yep, normal, you're good. And I was like, oh, am I? <laughs> uh, Mick helps me a lot. Uh, Mick is kind of like the, the finance guru guy. so. He, anytime I have any questions on that stuff. Um, and I just believe in people. So um, I have uh, I have really good relationships with my um, lab reps. Um, and I have a billing person that I can rely on, Danielle, my CPAs. Um, I, I'm just a believer that, you know, learning, learning is, is the only way to go. And if you don't ask and you don't learn, guess what? You just got to run into those mistakes yourself. <laughs> right. So, right. Um, yeah. So Aaron, Mick, uh, Janine, my CPA, my bookkeeper, they're all great. So I, I appreciate all their help. <laughs> so you also uh, sort of opened the door to how this kind of got started in the first place. Yep. So um, about probably two years ago, I believe it was, I had uh, – Danielle Brooks, who yep. is my virtual CFO, uh, to come on to the show. And she mm -hmm. talked about what she's doing for me and um, all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. um, she told me, she said, hey, thanks for letting me come on the show. I actually got an optometrist that called and checked in on me. And, you know, that was kind of the last I heard about that for a little bit. And then she, a couple of months later, she mentioned that she got this client, you know, and then she said something about uh, maybe a few months later, she said something, and she never would say a name. She just kept saying, this optometrist, this optometrist. And I go, I, I think it was about a month ago, I say, Daniel, I, I got a question. So would you mind just telling me who this is that you keep saying, that, you know? And she goes, oh, yeah, it's, his name's Alan Chung. And I go, God, I know that name. I said, where's he from? She goes, San Diego. And I go, okay, hang on a second. So I you know, kind of dug back in my memory a little bit, and I kept thinking, you know, so I thought I'm going to, I'm going to call Mick. I calls up Mick. Um, cause you know, he's there and, and Mick and I are classmates from optometry school. He's in my lake house boys group. And, yep. and so I'm, I'm, th I said, Hey, uh, there's this uh, guy named Alan Chung. Oh, he said, yeah, oh, he's great. He said, yeah. So, well, so I'm wanting to, to get him on the podcast because he's, uh, using the same bookkeeper that I'm using service that I'm using. And, I just wanted to see if, you know, he said, oh, yeah. He said, he'll be the, he'll be, in fact, you did it already when before we got started. You say, I don't know why anybody wants to listen to what I got to say. Um, everybody <laughs> wants to listen to what you got to say, I promise you. Uh, and everybody tells me that every time I ask them to come on to the show. So uh, we, we got a chance to call and talk and everything. And, I mean, so you basically, 
one of the things I see is for you is you're just super brave in jumping in headfirst into a lot of, I mean, you know, you said, okay, there's a practice for sale. Next thing you know, you bought it, um, <laughs> you know, and you listen to all these people giving you advice. You'd listen to some stranger tell you about this thing he's doing with a bookkeeper and how that seems like a good idea. And the next thing you know, you sign on for it. So what has a virtual CFO done for your practice? Uh, amazing. <laughs> Danielle and her team are great. Um, anytime I have questions, they, they, we, we figure it out together. Um, it, it, it deloads the workload that I have to do. Um, I, uh, ironically, I'm, I would say I'm proficient at QuickBooks, but I think Danielle's team makes me uh, a little below proficient now because I haven't touched it in a while. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to say thank you to you too, Ted. Um, the crazy thing is actually I heard your podcast and with the conversation with Danielle and right. coming full circle, I actually mentioned it to her and she was like, okay. Um, the funny part was I actually didn't switch with her right away. And then um, when I was a little bit more established and a little bit, the cash flow was a little bit better and it fit into my budget. Immediately I reached out to Danielle and her team. I was like, Hey, like, I think I can start. <laughs> it fits into the budget. And we've, we've till this day grown month by month uh, with her team and their help. Um, why I jump head first is, well, I think the beauty of private practice or just business in general, being a small business owner, if it doesn't work, we just go backwards. <laughs> Stick with the thing that does work. Um, and as well as Danielle's very knowledgeable and her team is very knowledgeable. Her, my bookkeeper is extremely smart and she she talks with my CPA and they, they figure things out together. And I'm like, all right, you guys got it? Great. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so if I can pay someone to kind of help me out with that or give me advice, um, that can save me from running into those walls that I am going to run into either way. Um, it's just whether I run into it five years or 10 years from now, or, or she tells me and I run into it today and be like, Oh, I got to figure that out. <laughs> There's some, some questions she's asked me and I, till this day, have not been able to produce an answer yet. So I'm still trying to figure out things that she's asked, but overall there that's my main reasoning with um switching over to their group and their their team and they're great um biggest thing is if i can get one lesson from them in my opinion that's worth it what do you mean by that one lesson as in if i'm able to just even learn one single thing in my opinion that's worth it because that one thing could save me months or years of trying to figure out whatever lesson I'm supposed to learn. Um, for example, in terms of bookkeeping, how do, I need to collect receipts a little bit better. I need to um, track mileage a little bit better. I need to, and there's, there, we went to school for optometry. We didn't go to school for bookkeeping. <laughs> so that's why I, like I said, I've, I've probably learned more from them than they've gotten from me. Uh, but obviously I, I'm also like, I love Excel and Excel and data and tracking things. So sometimes I'm like, here, this is what I'm tracking and this is what's working. And they're like, great. 
next idea let's let's move forward and try to improve it and get better with that um so that's my belief of just learning learning um so when you're going through all these processes of learning how much how much of a role does a b testing play in what you're doing and how you're figuring it out and by a b testing just in case yeah there's somebody who didn't know that what this was like i didn't know about three years ago it's basically taking choice a compared to choice b and how do they play against each other um i think it does play a role in the sense of um what i kind of mentioned earlier we try it it works then let's continue if it doesn't then let's pivot and switch it back to something else and i think i do that a lot Uh, my staff at this point knows that if i talk to someone and i get an idea i go back they're gonna hear about it (laughs) and sometimes they like it sometimes they're like doc stop changing things (laughs) um so in a in terms of a b testing i do do it a lot just because Sometimes it's it's not even an A and B option. Sometimes it's A, B, and then the staff takes over and they're like, this isn't gonna work, we need C. And they take ownership in C and then it really takes off. Um, yeah, so we, we, definitely, we definitely utilize it a lot um, just so that we can figure out which one is the best. But a lot of times, to be completely honest, when people give the advice, the advice shrinks the A-B testing a lot. <laughs> That's that's the way I'm going, and then I work with it within my office and see if it works. Um, and to be honest, some some advice doesn't fully work all the time, and we do switch back to the old system, just because personnel difference, things like that as well. I think one of the things that kind of took the sting out of the A/B testing side of it in our practice was I started couching everything and saying, "Hey, let's we're going to try a little experiment, yep. just for the next three months." And yep. something about that word experiment just takes a lot of the pressure off of this yep. new thing we're going to do. Yep. Uh, they don't start looking at it like it's a like a it's a brand new process. You know, they just yep. oh, it's an experiment. Okay, and and, and yep. if it doesn't work, then well, it's fine. You know, well, yes, yep. no big. We learned something. You know, yep. so uh, that's been really helpful for me having that sort of way of looking at it. Um, so when you're getting ready to look at all this all these kind of things that you're doing. Um, how do you decide how you're going to take a lead role and mm. in a certain situation versus how do you decide when you're going to take a supporting role in a situation? Mm. Um, in terms of uh, my office or just in general? Well, let's, let's start with the office. Okay. So in terms of the office, um, I have learned maybe about two years ago, so 2021, 2022, I had some staff turnover issues, uh, or staff turnover. And what I've learned is SOPs are very important. So I just focus on creating the system and let the staff run the system. So my job of the role is to make sure the SOPs are being followed and executed as well as maintained. And the employees, I usually like to take a backseat on that in the sense of I, we're able to teach them and they take ownership and they roll with how they process um, and actually do the job. Once they get used to doing the job and say, hey doc, we can cut half of this out. I'm like, perfect, let's cut half of it out and Guess what? You're updating the SOPs too, by the way. <laughs> um, I've, 
I, I don't even know how to build a pair of glasses anymore. I don't know how to use CLX anymore. <laughs> I don't know how to use Macs anymore. Uh, things have been updated to the point where I'm like, a doctor would ask me like, hey, um, are you doing this? Or how much does this cost? I'm like, I think you're asking the wrong person now. <laughs> Let me call my staff and they'll take care of you for that. Um, and I think that has helped a lot as well because when you find the right people for the team, they're able to kind of manage it. And my ultimate goal is to, you know, take a step back, but um, being an eye doctor and being a CEO are very different. Yep. <laughs> the CEO, you need to have that big picture view and target, right? And then you have to rally the troops to push the, the train forward. Um, but the troops also have a little cart that they have to push on their end as well. Um, so that's kind of like how I usually gauge what, whether or not I need to step in or not. If this team can handle it, I'm letting them roll with it. If they're kind of like all getting a little quiet, not 100% sure, all right, guys, what's going on? <laughs> Let's figure this out. And I think I, I'm a little bit more inclusive. I like to have, I don't have like a, I'm not a really big office. I got like four to five employees, a um, couple fill-in doctors who are just friends. Um, and yeah, so I, there's no C-suite, there's no executive team or anything like that. It's just me and my four people that I, I work with and see every day. <laughs> and we try to have fun too. So that's always the good part. So you mentioned a moment ago, someone asked you a question and you'll go, hey, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask that question. And I've had this happen yeah. to me probably a lot more in the last, I don't know, five or 10 years. Yeah. At first, I used to get really embarrassed about it. And then suddenly I started to get in like, why are you asking me that question? Well, I mean, <laughs> why? And, and more importantly, why do you know the answer to your question? Yeah. You know? And uh, then I started realizing just there's some stuff that I just am not really good at. And yeah. if I can get someone who's really good at that and let them yeah. run that, yeah. then like you were saying earlier, that frees me up to do what I'm only good at, you know? And I think that's the thing you've really figured out way faster than all the rest of us is that you know what you're really good at and you know where to stay there and you know what your team is really good at and let yeah. them stay there. Yeah. Uh, how, how much... How much um, freedom does that give you to do what you need to do? Um, there's still a lot to do. <laughs> um, I'm bringing on uh, a few virtual assistants as well soon um, to help even free up even more. Um, for you or for the team to free up or, or for the both? So I already have one and I'm bringing on another one. So I okay. had one help us answer phones and do all of that. But December was just too crazy. Um, mm -hmm. So I've always been in the mindset of, hey, I can do the work. <laughs> I'm young. You know, these residents, these med school residents, they're, they're doing 80 hour weeks. So in me doing 60, okay, that's fine. Um, but I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm tired of charting. <laughs> Let me have someone help me chart. So right. that person's gonna help me chart as well as, um, uh, like I said, I, I like to stick to the basics too. So the basics are very important for me. Glasses, contacts. Um, so if we do glasses, we quote someone 10 to 14 business days, 14 days, that pair of glasses better be in our office and we have better notified the patient. Same thing with contacts. Um, another, one of my mentors tells me, oh, you need to prescribe contacts. 
don't give them the trials and don't, but I'm still in the bad habit of that. But I usually let patients try it and I say, hey, four to five days later, someone's gonna text you or email you or give you a call to see how those contacts are doing. How bad is it if we don't call them? So I'm trying to make sure we stay up to date with that. So whoever my scribe is, uh, my virtual assistant is probably gonna help me maintain that level of customer service as well. Um, so that's why I'm also bringing it in as well as it really does free up the staff. And sometimes you get staff pushback, which I did at one point. Um, but I just go to them. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm only trying to make you better at your job. <laughs> and half of them yeah. don't want to pick up the phones anyways when they're with a patient. So I'm like, don't worry about it. We have someone to do that for us. So yeah. um, and that VA has been great since I brought her on. So, yeah. So we're bringing on another person to kind of help out with that as well. <laughs> So when you're trying to maximize um, you, yep. yourself, yep. what kind of things are you doing uh, to make sure that you're operating at your peak performance in mm. practice, in life, yep. in, in general? What kind of things are you doing for you? Um, thank you, COVID. Um, I started running a lot. It's been, it's been one of those brain-clearing situations where um, – when stressful day or uh, a weekend, I'd just put on some running shoes and just go run outdoors for five, 10 miles and just, just run. Um, so that's kind of like my go-to, just exercise. Um, mm -hmm. As long as I'm able to exercise and clear the brain, um, obviously spend time with family as well. Um, but you need a reset. And I think that's what my Sundays are for. I just fully reset, exercise, clear the brain, clear everything. And you have to learn, I think with this past four years, you have to learn that the world won't go down, well, other than COVID, but the world won't burn if you don't check this email. <laughs> so yeah. I really try to four or five, uh, once I get off of work, five, 6 p.m., I'm off of work. <laughs> and I try to like sleep early, wake up early, and when I wake up, drink coffee and back at it. <laughs> but once I'm done with work, I try to split that and um, just know work is work, family's family, and split up that time and exercise. And those are kind of the three things I've been doing. Um, well, now, was it COVID that forced you into thinking that way? Or did you just sort of come to it after sort of struggling a little bit with it? Or I mean, what, what brought you to this realization this needed to be done? Yeah, I I struggled with it at the beginning. Like I kind of told you, I was like, hey, I was sleeping. Stress kicked up. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I bought the office. The day I closed, um, the previous doctor gave me the keys and said, hey, Alan, you're seeing patients today. I was like, uh, I don't know if I can. Are you sure? So the day I closed, I, I went in and started seeing patients right away. Um, so... Yeah, I think COVID happened and gyms were closed. So all you could really do was swim, bike, <laughs> or run. I'm not a big water person. Or, I mean, I can swim, just not in San Diego. We have the beach. So I was right. like, I'm good with ocean swimming. Let's just swim in the pool. Um, but running, you can do anywhere. So that's, that's why I kind of picked just running and exercising. But the main key is to exercise. Because I think exercising as if I'm out of shape or I'm too tired or too fatigued, I've also learned my own body. I don't take care of patients as well. Like I need the sleep so that 
when I'm with patients, I'm focused and taking care of them as the best of my ability. And guess what? That in terms, they refer other patients in because they like me or don't like me. I don't know. <laughs> but I hope most of them like me. And then that kind of snowballs. And, and, um, and so when the next, when they refer their friend in, I need to tr take care of them the same way I took care of the first patient. Um, I've definitely had times where stress level kicks up, sleep goes haywire, didn't exercise a weekend or something, and then just more fatigued and more stressed and more tired. Um, so patient care is the, the number one priority of my office to make sure people are taken care of the way they should be. How much of doing some of those hard things like, you mm. know, exercising, make it easier to do some of the hard things you do at work? Ooh, good question. I definitely think it, it's a, I think buying an office is, has, it, it focuses more on personal growth. Because I think since I bought the office, I've grown so much, which is crazy because when you're in it, you don't see it. And then I'm seeing it more now because now I see new owners coming in or cold starts starting and they're starting out with 40 patients a month or 50 patients. I was like, I was there <laughs> and I remember how stressed it was. And I think doing those hard things, you just, um, you learn that your body and you are able to do a lot more than you think you are. And by doing so, it makes whatever challenges um, a lot easier too. Um, I tell, I, I literally just told someone this who opened a cold start maybe about six, seven months ago and they haven't tracked anything. So no, no KPIs, nothing like that. And I was like, Hey, just track how many patients you have per month. How many patients you see? just start somewhere. And then I told her, I was like, Hey, over time that will snowball. And you don't go out and just run 26 miles right off the bat. <laughs> You start right. with mile one or you start with lap one, then you build up over time. And um, I think that's the same in, in business and being a private practice owner. You start with hiring one employee, then two, then three, and then you slowly build up and slowly go. And I ultimately think it's a time game, too. It's a it's a how long you're willing to do it for. Right. Um, and as long as I don't quit or even if I quit. I restart and we go right back into it. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up quit. Do you happen to know what tomorrow is by any chance? The it's oh it's the it's the um, New Year's resolution quitting day. Quitters day. It's <laughs> Quitters day. day. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is the second Friday of every January of every year. That is yep. Strava has found out that that is the day that more people give up on their resolution than any other day of the entire year. <laughs> And hey. I, I was, it's that, my wife was saying, um, I think it was uh, Tuesday, she came back home and she goes, ah, I'm just so frustrated. I go, why? And she goes, I mean, every day for the last couple of days, every time I've gone in the gym, somebody's been on my treadmill. And I go, well, you don't have to worry about it much longer. She goes, why? I said, because Friday's quitter's day. And she yep. goes, what do you mean? I said, and I told her, and I said, so Monday morning, that, that treadmill will be wide open for you. Yep. You know, so uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting how that's something that's a thing you know yeah and uh so how do you um let's say something is a little bit tough you've, yep. you've gotten this defeating thing that's happened 
How yeah. do you get past that? How do you motivate yourself to do the next thing? Um, I think I've just, I think that comes with experience. And the reason why I say that is because, like I said, I call my mentors a lot. I call Aaron a lot. I text them a lot, actually. Um, but hearing, you have to go through it no matter what. Uh, especially in owning an office and you're going to go through your HR issues. You're going to go through your insurance denial issues. You're going to go through someone breaking into your office. You're going to go through blackouts. I never knew that was a thing. I, it happened to me for the first time in four years. All the electricity went out in my whole, in the whole block of Mira Mesa. And the dentist came downstairs and was like, hey, Alan, are you are you canceling the rest of your patients? I was like, yeah, I have to. And you just see me on my laptop just <laughs> uh, trying to message them on Weave. Everyone's pulling out their phones. And and I was like, oh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, this has happened before. Yeah, no big issues. I was in the middle of a root canal. We just closed it up. I was like, what? <laughs> and um, But she's gone through that a couple of times versus me. I'm like. Um, and FYI, this is like my third break-in. <laughs> so the first oh, one wow. broke a lock, second one broke a window. This is the first time where uh, maybe seven months ago, someone actually actually broke in and actually stole glasses. But going through that process, you just, you just learn over time that, hey, this isn't the end. And a lot of times that I've come to realize is the hard part just means you're doing something right. <laughs> It means it means you're you're growing and and once you get over that hard part, it's gonna get easier. Um, and when it gets easier, that's also the sign to push even harder, <laughs> because it's easy now. So now you have the team now grow even more and faster. Um, so, yeah, just I think I think it's a hard answer to to answer because everyone finds motivation and um, drive differently. Um, but I think it's it's one of those things where experience is the biggest factor in that, where if you've seen, okay, one break-in, guess what? What have you got broken every day this month? You're not gonna be phased afterwards. <laughs> You're gonna be like, oh yeah, it's just another day. Um, so whatever you find is hard, um, keep pushing and it, it will be hard. Um, and if it's hard, it, well, if it's easy, then, why why do it it's got to be hard for you to actually experience the the good parts of it as well so it's just one of those emotions that i think in four years i've learned that hey your brain can do a lot and one of the things it does is it's too hard well a lot of it might be in your brain more than it is for everyone else <laughs> so for four years you've been owning your own business you've been yep broken into you've had blackouts you've had yeah. turnover you've had you know brand new stuff you had to start for a first time yep is this how you thought it was all going to work out no way 100 <laughs> percent not i don't think i actually know or i don't think i knew what i was getting into i think i i was i think i mean even being in private practice i think there's there's a little bit of ignorance that you have to be like i got this um, like the hours you put in, I don't think, I don't think people understand, um, uh, 
what you need to at the end. Kind of like optometry school, right? Like you weren't expecting to study so hard for boards one, two, and three. You you aren't expecting to take, study so hard um, throughout the testing periods. In school, we took a test every Tuesday, Thursday from week three to like 10. I was like, what? We're just cramming, <laughs> cramming. Um, so I definitely, definitely don't think it is. But on the other spectrum, I don't think I'd change anything. Um, if you asked me this question in 2021, maybe different story because I was still in that pushing mode. I think I've gone over one hill. A second hill's coming. I know it's coming. I just don't know when. Um, but confident enough that I have uh, a team around me, um, staff around me, um, to be able to get through the next level, whatever the hell it is. Well, I can understand after spending about an hour with you why Aaron Warner and Nick Clean think you're such an amazing person. Uh, <laughs> it was, it's been a really pleasure getting the chance to spend some time with you, and uh, I can't wait to uh, have another discussion with you some other time. Of course. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate everything. And like I said, I feel like I know you more than you know me because I've been listening to you for so long. <laughs> right. So it's, it's been a pleasure um, asking or Thanks for inviting me on and sharing my story. Hopefully someone learned something from this. Oh, I'm sure they will. Believe me, I'm going to learn a ton from this too. Thanks, Alan. (laughs) Of course. We just cut off the recording (laughs) and uh, Alan goes, hey, I had a couple questions for you. So uh, I want to make a bonus out of this and we're going to let Alan take over the show for a minute and we'll see how it goes. Ted, I, like you may know, or from, from our previous conversation, I... I like to ask people things because everyone's got experiences and learn lessons that um, they've gone through that could help me, could help anyone else. Um, so I have these two questions that I always ask everyone um, who I look up to. Um, the first one is, um, if you were to give your younger self any advice, what would it be? Oh gosh, um, you know, there's so many things. Um, probably the first thing would start sooner mm-hmm. uh doesn't matter what it is start mm-hmm. sooner um you know you're you've got a lot more resources than you can imagine that you already have mm-hmm. um you know and and because of that just the resilience that gives you um and you know some of the things you were talking about earlier some of the hard things you've gone through some of the hard things i've gone through in my practice i mean we've i was summarily kicked out of the building that I was in basically I mean they they found a loophole in my lease and said you're out and I was able to marshal the uh, resources enough to go talk to this person and that person next thing I know they're like oh hey you know you stay just as long as you need I said buddy let me tell you something I'm gonna get out of here as fast as I possibly can but I'm gonna be in here as long as I need to be Um, you know so having that ability to put the resources together and we do have more resources than we can possibly imagine i mean it's this is truly a world of abundance and there's enough to go around for everybody mm-hmm. so um i think that's probably some of the bigger things that i learned is that you know to tell myself hey it's going to turn out amazingly well it's not going to turn out like you thought it was going to but it's mm-hmm. going to turn out amazingly well and probably a lot better than you think it's going to be right now 
Gotcha, gotcha. And then, I mean, you kind of answer that with the second question too, but my second question is usually like, what would you have done differently? Um, differently, I, I probably would have um, prepared myself to understand <laughs> that um, there's always going to be a big challenge. And by, I mean, because, you know, just about the time you think you've got everybody on the team getting along, yeah. somebody starts at the other person. And it doesn't even, it's not, the other problem hasn't even gotten finished yet before this starts up. And mm -hmm. um, I, I learned, uh, let's see, it was probably maybe about three years ago this happened, and it was the last time I heard it before I finally did something this time. Someone in my team said recently, I think this is the best team we've ever had bef together. Mm. And it's, I know as soon as they say that, it's all about to fall apart. Mm. Um, and I don't know what it is. It's like there's a canary in the coal mine that says mm. this, to tells this person everything seems wonderful, but what they don't understand is what's on the other side of that door. And to get them to understand that they truly do love each other um, that's probably one reason why they're getting on each other's nerves so much is because they care about each other that much. So I had to take the moment to stop. And, I mean, somebody said this in our office meeting, and I said it the next morning in our huddle. Hey, um, somebody yesterday said this is the best team that we've ever had, and I want to make sure everybody understands that we're getting ready to go through some sort of challenge, some sort of crucible, and I just want to get everybody to level set where we're at right now mm -hmm. and understand that communication is going to be more important right now than ever before because somewhere along the way i don't know who it's going to be what's going to happen one of you is going to really tick somebody else off it may be me doing y'all mm -hmm. i need y'all to give me enough grace to understand and each other enough grace to understand that this mm -hmm. is not personal this is just a rough time you're maybe going through yeah. and we'll get through this yeah. um, so that would probably be another thing to you know, understand some of those things way earlier would have been made, would have made me a lot more resilient through a lot of the challenges that we went through. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. No, like I said, I like to pick people's brains and see what I can learn. So I, thank you so much for everything you do. <laughs> My pleasure. Bonus. Of course. Bonus. <laughs>